Have a go comes to you from a prune blasting factory in the lovely little village of Grimsby. Hello, Grimsby. How do? Hello, Hello. Now, what's in the jackpot this week? Mabel? Well, there's a pot of jam, an elastic stocking, a rancid pork pie, a tennis racket press, a bottle of Dr. Catamull's lightning horse purge, eight and six in counterfeit money, and what looks like a hairy bread pudding. Oh. It's been there for some weeks now. Oh, well, well, that's worth winning, isn't it? <laughs> now, the, now, the first contestant coming up now is a charming, grey-haired old gentleman. Here he is. Here he is. Yes, here he is. Now, prop him up against the microphone, Mabel. <laughs> now, sir, now, now, sir. I'm 92 today. <laughs> yes, and you look every day of it. <laughs> yes, sort of charming old idiot. Well, now. <laughs> now, now, Sydney. Here, I can call you Sydney, can't I? You can if you like, Will. <laughs> Only me name's Gladys. <laughs> Yes, the studio that gave you Have a Go now gives you a show so breathtaking, so stomach-turning, so underwhelming that only the BBC would dare. Ladies and gentlemen, the show that makes you clench your teeth and fling them at the radio set. <laughs> Round the hall! The story so far. The four boys stood in front of the headmaster, played by old ivy-covered Bill Pertwee. <laughs> he of the goatee beard and even more goatier Roma. His eyes took them in and brought them up as if they were his own. <laughs> Jumbo Marsden, the fat owl of the remove, as he stood there toasting his muffin in front of the fire. <laughs> Hugh Paddock in his eaten collar with his moth-eaten haircut. And Kenneth Stinker Williams, the fag with the filter tip. <laughs> Which of these boys had dallied with his daughter, Clarissa? He turned to her the apple of his eye and the pomegranate of his nose... A tousle-haired moppet of only 43. <laughs> Clarissa, he said, I feel you haven't been entirely honest with me. Are you holding something back? The little girl nodded, and taking off her curly wig, she said, My name's Kenneth Hall. <laughs> that was, of course, Douglas Smith. Now for the answers to last week's questions, complete the following song titles. Well, question one, walk right in, sit down, and... <laughs> well, the answer was, of course, baby, let your hair hang down. Now, many of you wanted to walk right in, sit right down, and do something else entirely. In fact, what a Mr. Gruntfuttock of Hoxton wants to walk in, sit down, and do is not only... Physically impossible, but um, <laughs> extremely dangerous to passers-by. <laughs> the second song title you had to complete was The Sailor with the Navy Blue. <laughs> and the answer was, of course, Eyes, which all of you got, with the exception, I need hardly tell you, of Mr. Gruntfuttock of Hoxton. 
who made a startlingly inaccurate guess. Now, the... Uh... <laughs> the third song title was Show Me The Way To. <laughs> and here, Mr. Grunfutter again excelled himself. <laughs> and in answer to your pitiful inquiry, all I can say is if you don't know the way to at your age, you never will. <laughs> right. Now, on with the show. Smith. Sir. Fit? No, thank you, sir. I've just had one. Oh. <laughs> well, perhaps some other time. Now, announce the next item, will you? Yes, sir. Now, it's Kenneth Horn still pulling them in. Well, at his age, you have to. <laughs> in his second breathtaking week as Kenneth Horn, Master Spy. My pursuit of Big Ben, stolen by fiendish mastermind Dr. Chuen Ginsberg, had led me to an underground laboratory somewhere in Switzerland. There, captured and strapped to an operating table, I was forced to submit to the dreaded torture of being sung to by Ken Dodd. Her tears have been my only consolation. Oh, stop it, stop it. I can't stand it, I tell you. I can't stand it. All right, I can't stand it. All right, I will let you know. Yes, <laughs> All right, Doddy, I think we have softened him up. Well, Mr. Horn, will you talk now? No, you'll get nothing out of me, Chuan Ginsburg. We special agents are trained to withstand pressure up to the strength of David Whitfield. Ah. <laughs> then we shall have to try more brutal methods. Doddy, you know what to do? You mean? Yes. Doddy, do your act. The awful tormentor advanced on me, brandishing his tickling stick. Oh, hi, hi, would like to say how tickled I am. Hi, tickled I am to be here. Have you ever been tickled, Mrs? <laughs> Have you ever been tickled down a stuff quarry by the giddy people? <laughs> and what about the follower of the fur? Being tickled up. Hey, being tickled up, the follower of the fur. <laughs> hey, where's my shirt? Where's yeah. my shirt? He went on and on and on, day after day. <laughs> series after series. Well, Mr. Horn. All right, I'll tell you anything you want to know. What is it you want? Cuddy Kirby. The ultimate deterrent. <laughs> You know that's top secret. Why do you ask? Because I have funny line about fallout. About fallout. Yes. <laughs> and on second thoughts, won't bother. <laughs> now, very crude, would be cut. But I make you plopposition. Plopposition? Yes. Plopposition. P-L-O-P. All right, I know. I can... <laughs> I can spell. I can now. What are you suggesting? In the return for Cathy Kirby, I will give you back Blig Blin to British government. And what do you intend to do with Cathy Kirby? Don't know yet, but bound to think of something. <laughs> we Japanese ingenious little people perhaps copy her and flood the market with cheap imitations. The British people would never let her go. We shall see. Have communicated with your government. They have till midnight tonight to think it over. If they do not forward Cathy Kirby in condition in which I would wish to find her, <gasps> ah, you will die worse death than joke about fallout. <laughs> he made a low obeisance and excused himself. And then he turned on his heel and bit it savagely. Ah! Suddenly he pressed a button concealed in his waistcoat and a secret panel in his kimono slid open. 
Out of it stepped a beautiful girl in thigh-length boots and a bikini. You know all about me, I think, Mr. Horn. Pussy galore. I've never had any complaints. She will guard you. Do not attempt anything funny. She's got no sense of humor. <laughs> I warn you, Mr. Horn, this young lady, expert in judo. Yes, yes, I am a green belt. You know what that means? Yes, I do. It means I mustn't build a factory on you without permission of the local authority. I must go now and prepare to meet my maker. You're going to commit suicide? No, it's bookmaker. Oh. <laughs> it's a lousy joke, but he always gets a round of applause at Gleesbella Working Men's Club. Ah, well, into finishing song. Pack of all my cares and more, here I go, away in love, I bore Kenneth Williams can be seen in the little hut in Leicester Square. <laughs> Serpent Owls Thrupens Extra. <laughs> but enough of pleasantries, back to the action. The girl and I stared at each other. She was proud with something about her of an Arab steed. An old horse blanket, I think it was. <laughs> she looked at me haughtily and tossed her head back in one gulp. If you behave yourself, Mr. Horn, you and I will get along very well. And if I don't behave myself? Then we'll get along even better. <laughs> I read the message in her eyes. It said, vacant possession. <laughs> View by appointment, sorry, no children. <laughs> I made a sudden move to a semi-detached in Finchley and uh, lowered the tone of the neighborhood. But too late, she grabbed me. Not so fast, Mr. Horn. Take this. Ah. And that. Oh. And that. Ah. And that. Well, I can't take that. You've hardly got any left. It's all right. <laughs> Quite all right, Mr. Horn. I've got cupboards full at home, and they've only go stale. All right, then. Ah! We struggled together on the mat. Uh, she knew some tricks, uh, but two could play at that game. I could show her some tricks, mm. too. Look, I take this ordinary soft-boiled egg. <laughs> I say the magic words, abracadabra, abracadoo, and see. The Union Jack. No power on earth can pull it down. No power on earth can pull what down? I don't know. I just really what's written here. <laughs> yeah, you ain't got much of a part this week, have you, Hugh? No, I haven't. You've only uttered twice. Twice. Stand up for your rights, mate. Mm. None of that Kenneth Orne put on you. People like us. There's people like us with a salt of the earth. Salt, salt of the earth. <laughs> yeah, Kenneth Orne be without people like us. Hey, who do they turn to in Britain's darkest hour? You and me. Hey, the little people, you. Hey, the common people from the city, from the plough. We came, yes. The thin red line. Oh, yes. It's Tommy this and Tommy that and Tommy go away. But it's thank you, Mr. Atkins, when the band begins to play. That's us, you. The thin little red people. The thin <laughs> That's us, yes, you. The thin, we're the last bastions. That's what we are. We're the last bastions. Homes fit for heroes. That's what he promised us, Kenneth Orne. We want homes. We fought for them. We deserve them. What did you do in the war, Ken? I was a bus driver in I Wickham. <laughs> yes, the ladies from hell, they called us. <laughs> ladies from hell? You don't know what they're like in I Wickham. <laughs> Have you quite finished? Now, what is going on? It's not me. No? no it's not me. It's that Hugh Paddock having a moan. Oh, him. Um... He's always moaning. He's not used to staying up this late. Yeah. 
Now, you get on with whatever you were doing. Don't worry about it. Yes, all right. Right. Now, yes. Now, where, where was I? Oh, yes. Pussy Galore and I grappled, and I managed to get on her guard. Suddenly, she tumbled. Hello? And what do you think you're doing? Oh, you've tumbled, have you? <laughs> Three late, Mr. Horn. It's nearly midnight. Since I have received no communication from British government, I'm afraid you must die. We'll summon most lovely of all my geishas, Lotus Blossom. Lo, I come, O oh mighty Mandarin. <laughs> See, I stand before you, radiant in the dawn of my budding womanhood. <laughs> Bearing the promise of hidden delights, anointed with all the fine perfumes of the Arabians, not to mention a touch of the old camphorated whore. <laughs> ah, my little lechi nut. Is she not perfection of form? Is she not the acme of desire? Is she not a vision of loveliness? No. <laughs> That's what I thought, but I wanted a second opinion. Why did you summon me here, oh master? Only I'm losing my booty sleep. Beauty sleep? Ah, she lives in a world of her own. <laughs> Come, let us blossom. I have task for you. Mr. Horn must die. Tie him to the hands of Big Ben. One leg to Minute Hand, other leg to Our Hand. Well, what's the point of that? Well, at midnight, no problem. But at quarter to three, oh boy! Can Master Spy Horn escape the dreaded Chuen Ginsburg? Will Cathy Kirby arrive in time to save him? Does your mother come from Ireland? <laughs> Do you suffer from acid indigestion? Are your follicles lifeless? What did the actress say to the bishop? <laughs> The answer to all these questions will not be given next week when we bring you episode three of Kenneth Horn, Master Spy. And now here are the Fraser Hayes Ford to sing you a track from their latest LP, the Tijuana Brass at the Bow Street Magistrate Court. Fraser Hayes Ford. Street, or you're at a party, or else you're alone, and then you suddenly dig. You're looking in someone's eyes, you suddenly realize that this could be the start of something big. You're lunching at 21 and watching your diet, declining a Charlotte Russe, accepting a fig. When out of a clear blue sky, it's suddenly gal and guy. Start of something big. There's no controlling the unrolling of your fate, my friend. Who knows what's written in the magic book? But when a lover you discover at the gate, my friend, invite her in without a second look. You're up in an aeroplane or dining at Sardis or lying at Malibu alone on the sand. You suddenly hear a bell, and right away you can tell That this could be the start of something grand Your destined lover you'll discover in a frightening flash So keep your heart awake both night and day Cause the meeting may be fleeting as a lightning flash And you don't want to let it slip away 
sun come up or counting your money or else in a dim cafe you're ordering wine and suddenly there she is you want to be where she is and this could be the start of something this could be the heart of something this could be the start of something And now, trends. First show business. Comedian Ron Moody has completed work on Joey, his new musical based on the life of Grimaldi. Well, it's jolly good. I'm sure we're all looking forward to seeing Ron Moody's Joey in the near future. Now, in the... Uh... <laughs> In the world of folk music, there's nobody who comes anywhere near rambling Sid Rompo. That is, if they've got any sense. Now, once again, we are underjoyed to have him with us in the studio. I'll know me dearie and I'll dangle down me dilly-o and haul away me dando. Yes, by all means, be my guest. Oh, no, I was, I was merely being picturesque, as is my wont. Oh, won't you? No, I'm trying to give it up. Oh. <laughs> Very nasty habit, and besides, it makes such a deafening noise. Yeah. Well, now, uh, what... <laughs> what, uh, if I may ask, what uh, are you going to sing for us this week? Uh, it's a song sung in the small Cotswold village of Linktus Peveril, come gander boggle in time. Which coincides with the spring equinox and the first nicking of the lead off the church roof. Thank you. It's then that the young men of the village choose one of their number who is to be the gander man. This is done by the time-honoured practice of picking on the smallest one and itting him until he agrees. <laughs> then they deck him in feathers and marmalade and placing in his hand the truling stick and hanging round his neck the dingling iron, which dingles his grusset, if he's not careful, <laughs> is sent forth with the traditional phrase, go on, get out of it. And so he goes forth with a gander in one hand and a goose in the other. And then he knocks at the door of the young maiden of his choice and sings, would you like a gander? Or would you like a gander? Would you like a gander? <laughs> Yes, my lissom young lass, to which she generally says, no, I would not like a, a gander. So he gives her the goose. And, and, and he capers off down the street, boggling his gander above his head. And as he goes, he sings this song, which goes as follows. <clears throat> Oh, rudel oh, me dandel oh, rudel all the day. Oh, who will boggle me gander when I am far away? Oh, who will shrug me glossop to help the gander man? But if your glossop's been shrugged, my love, well, do the best you can. I boggled me gander. <laughs> oh, thank you, Rambling Sid. I must say you gave us all a turn there. 
Now then, still on the subject of trend-setting people, where do the way-out, pace-setting, fun people go on Sunday night? Well, as, uh, as all viewers of the Seamus Android television show will already know, not there. However, I tuned in again last Sunday night, just in time to hear... Now, live from London, but dead from the neck up, the Seamus Android Show. Seamus's guests are Nemesis Postum, the juggling monk, well-known dress designer Miniomi Poloni, Hollywood star Ecstasy La Bootstrap, and Anthony Wormwood Niblo, the Hoxton cat thief and heiress. And here is your host, Seamus Android. Hello. Hello. Before I introduce you to the usual bunch with their scintillating and witty drivel, I'd like you to welcome once again an actress you've all loved uh, at one time or another. <laughs> According to what she's told me. So, welcome now, at the age of 98, Gladys Runt. No, no, Gladys. At 98, how do you find it? At my age, I don't bother to look. (laughs) (laughs) To be back starring in a West End play. I believe you're appearing in a new production of Oliver Twist. Now, isn't it a fact that you originally appeared in this play in 1903? Yes, yes, I am. I created the role of Nancy. I see, yes. And is there much difference in your performance now? Yes, there is a difference. (laughs) Oh, yes. Now I'm playing Fagin. How true that is, even today. (laughs) And while we're on the subject of bagpipe farming in Borneo, (laughs) I'd like you to meet our next guest, the well-known skinned nobleman and hack journalist, the Earl of Bedlam. Will you, Grace? Oh, no, 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 you're Grace. I was Grace last night. I'm Herbert. Well, you're Herbert. <laughs> you have quite a reputation for eccentricity. Would you say you were eccentric? Yes. I were eccentric. <laughs> yes. I say anything for a few bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us. That brings us to the end of another yawn-packed hour of trite Sunday night rubbish. Good night, and until next week, happy peat picking. That was the Seamus Android Show, the show where famous, frank and funny people meet and anything can happen, but never does. Now, now, um... 
these days, with all the accent on youth, anybody of my age starts to think, well, now, what will I do when I'm 30? 30? Around the neck, he's 30. Why? <laughs> That's I enough. All right, will you? All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't sneer at your fantasies. <laughs> you, you go and boggle your gander. <laughs> anyway, now, the other, the other day, I looked in the, the mirror and thought, Horn, face it, you're past your first flush. <laughs> Well, of course, it doesn't mean I won't flush again, but uh, <laughs> I thought, well, why not do what a lot of other actors do and write a book? And I decided to take it to a publishing firm I'd heard about in Chelsea. Bona Books, it was called. <laughs> hello, anybody there? Oh, hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend Sandy. Hello. Thank you. Yes, we're Bona Books. We're just filling in as book publishers. Normally, if you'll forgive the expression, we're actors by trade. Trade's been a bit rough lately, yeah. isn't it? So, <laughs> to take whatever we could get. Whatever we could get, Ever. you see. Yeah. We've done very well, haven't we? I oh, mean, here's what? our spring list. Oh, yes. Spring list. Yes. Fourth. <laughs> forthcoming navel. It's a misprint. <laughs> we had them done on the cheap, yeah, you see. Yes, I can see. Look. You're certainly going for the lurid covers. You've yes. got to... You've got to... And um, that's what sells books, isn't it? Sells. And then, of course, you've got your, um, your racy flyleaf. Jewel writes those, don't you, Jewel? Yes, you I do. Oh, go on, show me a blurb. Show him in. <laughs> Very good. Well, here's one I've just done. Just See? done this one? Mm. <laughs> her colour was wrong, but men desired her. Proud, haughty, untamed, many possessed her, but none could break her restless spirit. Who was the man with the whip? Good heavens, what book's that for? Black Beauty. Oh. <laughs> Very and then we're, uh, we're doing a companion book to Sammy Davis's Yes, I Can. It's by May Britt, and it's called I'll Say You Can. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Mr. Horn. Yeah. No, no, seriously. No, no. Seriously, <laughs> Mr. Horn, what brings you trolling in here, then? Ah. Well, I've written a book that I, I thought you might be interested in. It's called The Life Cycle of the Water Vole. Hmm. Don't strike me as being particularly racy offhand. No. no, still, maybe we can do something. We'll just have a vada. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a bit dull, isn't it? Well, uh, not much happens to a water vault. Well, you have to make it oh. happen. Oh. Look at your description of the hero here. Look, uh, a small, grey, furry creature. Yes. How's your reader going to identify with that? that. Never identify, no, you never. see. You want to make him big and butch. Butch. And be butch, <laughs> you see. With the bulging biceps. I say. Biceps. <laughs> Over, you see. Yeah. And the shirt, the shirt all slashed open to the waist. Slashed. Slashed, you see. An unruly lock of hair falling over the bronze forehead. <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And you don't call him the water vole. No. You've got to personalise. Give him a name like uh, Rock or Tab or Dorian. Mm. Got to dramatise it, you see. Who was this water vole? Nobody knew where he'd come from, but nothing was ever the same after he'd been there. <laughs> Go on, go on. Women desired him. Desire. What a waterfall. You've got to have a bit of sex in it. Cold. <laughs> yeah, you want something like... Uh, of course, this is just off the top of my head. Well, you take it off yours, not mine. <laughs> Dorian's hot muzzle pressed again her furry cheek. You're my kind of waterfall, he murmured. Yeah, that, that, yes, that's good. Mm. They, they tumbled back. Back. They tumbled back, panting on the riverbed. Bed. Have there been others? Others. Dorian murmured. Hurt. There was a field mouse once, she said. <laughs> 
But it was never like this. Never. <laughs> you see? Yeah. You got the idea then? What we want is 400 pages of passionate waterfowls slaking their animal desires. Of course, we'll have to change the title. Or well, what to? Well, you could call it the story of an 18th century water slap. Volflanders. Oh! Well, that brings us to the end of the show, except for this week's appeal. Would somebody mind forcing the lock? I've been stuck in here for the last two hours. Cheerio, uh-huh. <laughs> see you next week. That was Round the Horn, starring Kenneth Horn, with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden and the Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Talk and Marty Feldman, and the show is produced by John Simmons. <laughs>